Welcome to the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast or visit our website, quack12podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack 12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack. Quack, quack, quack. quack. Oh my goodness, listeners. We got a really big one for you. I'm excited to introduce both of our guests here on the Quack Troll Podcast uh, for many reasons. Because I like the Beavers. Because I like both of our guests. But also because I literally just came back from the dentist and it is hard for me to say words. So I would like to stop saying them. My cheek is very big right now and I'm afraid I'm going to... Uh, you know, slice off my tongue. So, uh, let's get into, well, Addicted to Quack's very own Hifloday once again joins our Quack 12 roster review. Hifloday, how you doing, buddy? I'm well. Uh, it sounds like you're good and doped up, so that's uh, good, too. Absolutely. I'm the appropriate level of dope for the Quack 12 podcast, which is, uh, yeah, good. And then, oh my, I- I'm so excited. Once again... We truly the number one frenemy. We have said that multiple times, multiple years now. The number one frenemy of the show, and that is, of course, Travis Johannes, Beaver fan, Beaver expert. How you doing, Travis? Wow, I'm I'm number one, huh? That's 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 mm-hmm. some high praise. Um, no, the call sheet. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm all right. It's a it's a nice day out. It's let's. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, I want to. Oh, yeah. I, I want to give a quick, uh, quick shout out. So, last time I was on your podcast, I didn't tell my, my father-in-law is a huge duck fan, and I didn't tell him I was on oh. this podcast, and I didn't <laughs> know the man listens to any podcasts, but apparently he does. And like a few, like whenever it posted, he's like, wait, he called me. He's like, wait, wait, I. I just heard you on a p- podcast. So, <laughs> so uh, nice. shout out to uh, my father-in-law if he's listening, Bill Stone Road. He's a uh, he, he's all right for a duck fan. He's a really good dude. So, absolutely, shout out to him. Glad you listen. Uh, hopefully, this one listens up to last year's. Well, I mean, he's a duck fan. He's probably he may be kind of sick of you after what you did to last last year. I mean, he's probably sick of me for a lot of reasons. <laughs> And as a contributor on Patreon, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, um, Hithliday, uh, if you please take this mic away from me. Um, well, uh, no real staff changes, uh, with the exception of the running backs coach, who I think moved up a level and replaced with the Washington uh, former running backs coach Keith Bonifa, who I think is actually a pretty good running backs coach, at least as a developer. Washington fans were kind of upset with him for not being a great recruiter, but like, hey, you know, great developer, not a great recruiter. Sounds like that's, uh, you know, Oregon State's jam. Um, but otherwise, you know, exact same staff. I'm not really expecting anything in terms of like. Um, you know, scheme or, or development or overall philosophical changes. Right. Yeah. I would be surprised. Yeah. In terms of personnel, uh, let's start out with the quarterbacks as we usually do. Um, first of all, I, we, uh, several departures here. We have to mourn, um, in my opinion, the loss of the greatest uh, quarterback in Oregon state history, even though they did win a Heisman with a different quarterback. And that is Jack Coletto. 
pour a big one out uh, for for my favorite uh, Oregon State former quarterback. Uh, uh, started in 2017 mm-hmm. as a JUCO at Arizona Western. Uh, somehow played six years of football. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. Like he took a red shirt in the middle of his career as like a junior. Um, converted somehow to a Wildcat slash fullback slash linebacker. Still wound up through and throwing a couple of passes. Um, you know over the course of it. Like oh man. And signed an undrafted uh, free agent contract with the 49ers. You know, it was one of a, a couple of dudes. You know, Oregon State, even despite, you know, several successful seasons in recent years, doesn't have a whole ton of dudes in the NFL. Jack Coletto was one of them. Uh, uh, hats off to my man. The, the jackhammer is going to be missed. That's it's is a cult hero. So yeah. just that alone, it's, uh, it's going to be a little different where we don't have um, – it won't be missed by uh, other Pac-12 coaches because – I don't know how many times you can line up and do basically the same play and get away with it. But I, I would specifically put video compilation clips in my preview articles just of Jack Coletto plays because they were so like they had package plays for him that were weird. And it was like, you have to prepare for this. Like, yeah. this is the closest thing that Oregon State comes to creativity. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, man, I miss Jack Coletto. All right. um, <laughs> they also lose two other quarterbacks, Chance Nolan and Tristan Jebbia, who for the last three seasons, basically, they have it, it hasn't straight been, you know, Jebbia, then Nolan, then Gold Branson, one, two, three in 2020, 21, 22. There's been some overlap, but it's basically been that, that progression. Uh, so they lose basically the last two guys, Jebby and Nolan. Um, Gobranson is still on the team. And, you know, is his job starting uh, week five? They were in the middle of a blowout loss to Utah, um, in my opinion. Um, there that's because the defense, even though, um, they it took an amazing step forward was still actually kind of vulnerable to inside running. And Utah was one of the few like, uh, teams that Oregon state played that actually like really wanted to run the ball. Um, uh, it was curious because uh, like Oregon state didn't play, um, UCLA or Arizona. And I actually think those were, they kind of lucked out and that those were two teams that kind of would have punished them, um, for it. And they kind of like, anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself talking about <laughs> the defense. Um, but anyway, they were in the middle of a blowout loss to Utah in week five and they switched up the quarterback from Nolan to Goldbranson and they stuck with Goldbranson for the rest of the year. Famous, he wound up, you know, even though he quarterbacked the re- the uh, the entire game against Oregon, they had him stop throwing the ball um, for most of it, and then uh, Oregon State, uh, you know, then went on to run the, the ball for the rest of the game and pulled off mm-hmm. a sort of amazing uh, comeback win, was, uh, you know, with the addition of several sef- special teams sort of catastrophes by the Ducks. Uh, uh, boy. <laughs> boy, oh boy, we have, uh, uh, we're not, we're not going to talk about that game any more than just nope. that forever um, again. Wow. Actually. Uh, <laughs> he, th- it was interesting though. He did have quite a bounce back game uh, in the bowl against Florida. Um, and so I do sort of think like the rumors of his demise may be somewhat exaggerated. He finished with a 135.5 passer rating on the year, which is below average, but not like hugely below average, but it has been sort of widely commented on like, boy, that's the thing that's missing, you know, from Oregon state's offenses quarterback play and really has been you know, ever since they lost Jake Luton, honestly, like Jake Luton went and I think in the sixth round at the end of the 2019 season, and they just haven't had like a real, you know, crackerjack quarterback, you know, for the last three years, I've been talking for a while now. Do you think, do, do you think that's a fair characterization of Oregon state's, you know, offense? Like where's the, been the quarterback play? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's especially last year was pretty. I mean, it was it was pretty evident that it was kind of that missing piece. They they had all the other spots, and Cole Branson was like I said, he's all right. It was a little bit below average. wasn't terrible. wasn't necessarily a guy that was going to lose you games, but you're you're not weren't counting on him to to do a whole lot. You were counting on the running game and the defense, and yeah. and hoping that you know he might make some plays. But yeah, the quarterback has been. Which has been a surprise for me when when Jonathan Smith first came along, I kind of thought, oh, you know, quarterback coach here, he's former quarterback. I thought, yeah, we'd be able to fill that a little bit. I yeah, I, I've that. actually been really surprised they haven't been able to recruit better quarterbacks um, or develop them. I actually wonder what you think about Brian Lindgren because he's been the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the entire time, right? Yeah, you know, since 2018. And like you know, I I ran out the numbers on on his quarterback since 2020. You know, so basically the entire careers of of Jebby and Nolan and Gold Branson and like it's not good. And, you know, we're talking about a pretty large sample size across, you know, three quarterbacks, you know, they, they basically come out to 131.5 passer rating, which is substantially below average, you know, for FBS, um, you know, pretty, you know, mediocre at best, you know, touchdown to interception ratio. Um, you know, that, you know, he's playing against PAC 12, uh, uh, defenses and they didn't really challenge themselves at a conference, you know, like Oregon state doesn't really challenge themselves at a conference you know they, they usually don't play power five teams so it's like the defensive f plus rating for for these guys have been it averages out to 60.6 so like you know bottom of the power five you know type teams and like i don't know man i, I kind of don't think that like lingren's very good at developing quarterbacks do you think i'm being unfair like what, what's your opinion travis it's it's definitely been a a yeah question mark there where i i know in his defense, which I guess is less development, more recruiting, he started mm-hmm. having questions there. They they haven't really had anyone had anyone sure. come in that you really thought. I mean, I guess you could say Jebbia. He was a transfer, highly rated, but yeah. but there's probably a reason he transferred, and he was also yeah. injured more than than he played. Um, That's true. So so I I don't know. It's it's I think this. It coming up, it's going to be. It's where we're going to be able to figure out can he develop? Because yeah, definitely. I mean, all due respect to Chance Nolan, he's not. Uh, yeah, he's. He, he, I think he's kind of. He was pretty limited in general. I don't know how much more you're going to get out of him. Um, but they do have a couple guys coming in um, that that we'll, we'll yeah. uh, have to see. I, that I think this is going to be sort of the 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 real test is when you start getting guys coming in that have some some hype about them have some you know you you have some higher expectations can they can this coaching staff get them there can Lindgren get them there can but but so far yeah the quarterback has been a fairly underwhelming position well, yeah, you, you know, you're right about the talent question. You know, to, and Nolan was a mid-three-star Juco. Uh, Gobranson was a mid-three-star uh, in the 2020 class. Uh, they have a redshirt freshman on the roster. You know, we didn't see him last year because he redshirted. Travis Throckmorton, um, but he too, you know, was a, was a mid-three-star. The the two new guys who you're talking about, uh, we got to see both of them in the spring game. True freshman, uh, Aiden Childs, um, who's uh, like a, a mid-four-star, like a .93 electric athlete. I mean, just like, wow. Uh, just super speedy. Um, 
And uh, and then the other one is Gigi Uyunglele, who is uh, Clemson's, who's like a five star. He was Clemson's starting quarterback for the full last two years. He was in the 2020 class, and so he redshirted behind Trevor Lawrence uh, for that first year. Although there were two games that Lawrence was out for on for COVID reasons, so he actually got to play two games um, as a true freshman. Although that didn't burn his redshirt. The uh, although actually I do think his redshirt got burned because he would come in and. And play like a couple of snaps for a whole bunch of games. Anyway, um, uh, uh, Uyunglele did not have a real great tenure at Clemson. His like 2021, he had a really bad uh, passer rating. It was a little better in 2022, um, but it was still actually it's funny. It's, it was uh, half a point lower than Gilbranson's. It was you know 135, whereas Gilbranson was 135.5, and and that's with like better talent, skill talent uh, around him. Than, than Branson and with like comparable, you know, F plus uh, defenses, you know, because it's ECC, you know, not that much, you know, not that different, <laughs> yeah. you know, from the back 12. They had a coaching change, you know, uh, 2021, uh, their longtime OC, uh, Tony Elliott, left to be Virginia's head coach and the quarterbacks coach, Brandon Streeter, took over. Streeter wound up getting fired at the end of 2022, I think, because he couldn't really get anything out of Uyunglele, um or anything better out of him. Although it's funny because Uyunglele's passing stats all get better, but like, I guess not good enough um but like you know nonetheless like i don't know man i'm kind of skeptical that that like i i kind of just think that he's kind of sort of a a bust um and I, i'm kind of skeptical that lingren's going to get anything better out of him given that like he's not going to even have the same four stars receivers around him do you think i'm being like too skeptical here like what what do you think man yeah i'm oh to be honest my quarterback hopes are more on the Aiden, the, the true freshman. Um, but I, I do think, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think it's, it's. Do you think that's seriously a battle? I, I mean, I had Kyle's I, down as a, as a total red shirt candidate. Cause like, why else would you bring Uyengulele in? You know, other than, you know, it's his job and then Charles is going to red shirt and then Uyunglele is off to the NFL and now it's Charles's job. I figured like this is so clean. Of course, it's going to happen. But you're saying you think it's a serious competition and Charles could, I, could seriously get as a true freshman. I think I think uh, DJ will I think he'll be the starter, but I could see it being one of those if he falters or if he's not not performing as well as they'd hoped. I I from all the reports we've heard from on, on Aiden Childs, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point hmm. in the season, if, if, if what you're saying about DJ is true, which I, I, I do have worries that it might be that he just, he's just not, you know, is, is not going to live up to the hype that he had. Um, I, I could see that them making that switch because really the, the reports we've heard for about Aiden Childs is just, it's it's they've been pretty glowing well yeah i mean you sort of you you hear that report those reports out of it i mean i figured figured it's a possibility that they that they pull like i figured i definitely figured that they're gonna start because why the hell else are you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right like clemson's starting quarterback and former five-star of the you know of the last two years does not transfer to oregon state unless he gets some pretty strong promises in my opinion i just i have a hard time believing that he makes that transfer unless he's you know gets promised the start oh absolutely i i also at the same time totally buy you know the the argument that like yeah this dude could totally get the hook but i figured if he got the hook they do the same thing when 
when Nolan got the hook and just put Gilbranson in. Um, but you're saying, hey, it could be Childs? I, I I think it could be. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen his, seen much. So I'm just, this is all based off, you know, stuff I've read, stuff I've seen on Twitter. Um, right. I mean, the athleticism is totally real. But like, doesn't, I mean, doesn't Smith strike you as like more conservative than that, though? Like, when was the last time you've ever seen him play like a freshman quarterback? Like, has that I ever happened? I, I don't think so, but I don't think they've ever had a freshman quarterback. Like, I don't think it ever happened good. at Washington either when he was the OC there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I guess we'll. I guess we'll have to see. I, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, we do. I mean, the whole point of a true freshman is you don't have any data on him. So, like, yeah. Yeah. But I. I don't know. I would be. I wouldn't be stunned. That's all I'm saying. The other thing too is that, like, I don't know how a super athletic quarterback fits in Smith or Lindgren's offenses. That's the other sort of big question mark for me. Is that like every quarterback I've ever seen you know, those guys use, including going back to what the offenses that Smith was running at Washington have been like their pocket guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so like, as like to- totally cool as Childs is, which I, t- I totally like believe that he's the future. I I'm sort of like having a hard time, like switching those gears in my head, you know, for, for him taking over an offense that would have been designed for, for somebody else, you know, like yeah. that, that's what, you know, now on the other hand, like designing an offense where they have like a whole off season for 2024 to plan for Childs, Like, yeah, I can see that. Um, but like, that's why I'm sort of like a little, like, why would they have the hook for him? And then also like totally change up the offense. Like I'm, I'm skeptical about that, but like, man, I mean, like, uh, like I, I watched him in the spring. Like, yeah, the, I mean that the it's, the athleticism is totally for real. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the running backs. All right. <laughs> Returning uh, Damian Martinez. And he was a true freshman last year, near thousand yard rusher. Like what a great back. And, I guess if I had a criticism at all, it's that it doesn't seem like a ton of top end speed, you know, like didn't break that many, like 30 plus yard runs. In fact, I think only like three, you know, you know, real big runs. Um, But like, what a great efficiency back, you know, like six, you know, more than six yards per carry, Um, you know, yeah, just, just great, just great back. And, you know, because he can't bounce to the NFL until the, you know, after the 2024 season, you, you know, you get him this year and next year. I guess unless somebody pulls no more spates and drops the bag, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, is, that is a that is always a concern nowadays. I was, I mean, I was concerned going into the off this off season that that would happen. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean, Just, I hope Oregon State's NIL collective is uh, has you know started beating the bushes. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I want. I, I don't really have a whole ton of uh, questions about Martinez. Um, I, like I said, I, I, you know, if the Oregon state has to really, really, really run lean on its run game, I do sort of think he's not quite, you know, in the past, Oregon state's running backs have also been the threat to, you know, break off an 80 yard touchdown run. And like, I don't know that we've seen that out of Martinez. Do you think Travis, is it your opinion that Martinez just hasn't had the opportunity to show us that yet? Or do you think he doesn't have that gear? What What's your opinion on that? I, I'm, I'm curious to see after this offseason, you know, he can, you know, a little more work in the weight room or whatever he needs. But yeah, he hasn't quite shown it yet. But I, I, I do think it's there. I'm or it's that is the that is a little bit of a question mark with him. But I, I don't know. I, I he was just so impressive as a freshman. I, I, I I expect to see that kind of next level um, 
that next level from him this year. So a couple of departures from the room, Trey Lowe, medically retired and uh, Kanoa Shannon, who is a walk on, but got, got a, a few carries and mop up duty uh, also seems to have left the team. Otherwise uh, everybody's coming back. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick and Jim Griffin each got about 500 yards uh, last year. Um, Isaiah Newell, uh, has been on the team since 2020. Um, he got like 16 carries, sort of a, a mop up duty guy. There's Gavin Haynes has been on the team since 2021. I don't think he got any carries last year. And then they added, uh, through the portal, uh, they added division three player actually of all places from Lewis and Clark college here in Portland, which I can actually see a corner of from my window right now, who is, who's actually the Northwest conference, uh, first team running back. Don't dox yourself. All right. We're, we got a lot of angry Pac-12 fans. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. People can triangulate and figure out. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, Martinez is great. And like I said, you know, uh, got him for two more years. I think this is the end of Fenwick. I, I think Fenwick and Griffin are out of eligibility or maybe Griffin's got an extra year. He does. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, honestly, I, I think that Martinez like ate their lunch for a reason. I think he's just a way better back than either of those guys. And frankly, because of the miles on the tire problem, the fact that neither Fenwick or Griffin, who started playing football in 18 and 19 respectively, the fact that neither of those guys wanted to go pro kind of like tells me everything that I need to know about them. Um, and, and honestly, like I, I'm not really sure about Newell or, or Haynes, uh, you know, to be honest. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I like, I, I don't know, man, like the, on the one hand, this like running back room is totally loaded. On the other hand, like I'm kind of, it's weird that these guys didn't take any um, freshmen running backs or any portal running backs besides the division three guy. Um, wh what's up with the roster management in this room? Like, is there a plan here that I don't know about? Or do they really believe in Griffin and Newell and, and they just haven't told me or what, what's your opinion, <laughs> Travis? I, I, yeah, I think they just really believe in the room they have. Um, hmm. Honestly, I think I do. I Do you, you believe know, in this room? Uh, beyond I, I, Martinez, I mean? Beyond Martinez, I, I I think they're serviceable, but obviously it this is definitely a. Uh, I mean, step serviceable back. Ser serviceable for a room that like so much of the offense goes through this room and like. But with that O line, I think it's I don't know I, I I I obviously yeah it would be nice to have a little more depth, but I think it's. I also wonder how easy it is to bring someone in a transfer when you see Damian Martinez there and they're going, Oh, I'm not going to get much playing time. because so they got this, this, this I guy. suppose, but like, why no freshman then, you know, that, like, that is that I don't, I, that is a, I mean, how hard is question. it to recruit a freshman, you know, to Oregon state when they have all the, this huge lineage now it's been like, I actually did, you know, was just like, looking through the recruiting and I didn't, I honestly, off the top of my head, I didn't realize we didn't have a freshman running back. I mean, that's so yeah, crazy, that is a good man. question mark. And it's been like this, good question. this incredible late, you know, it's been like six straight years of, of fantastic and like, you know, and I don't think any of them were transfers either. Like my memory is failing me right now, but I think, you know, that whole, that whole legacy has been, they've all been prep recruits that they developed, you know, like why the hell, yeah. if you're a freshman, you know, or a prep recruit running back, wouldn't you want to go play for Oregon State? Yeah. I just thought that was really weird. And like, maybe this doesn't really affect anything for 2023, but like, yeah, I just thought that was like kind of crazy or like it's, this is the year when they would be developing the, that freshman to start taking over. Yeah. But like, that's probably not going to happen. Instead, it's probably going to be like, Damien, I'm going to need you to carry the ball 
Like he carried the ball 161 times last year, and they're probably going to ask him to carry the ball like close to close to that again. And then they're going to ask him to do that, you know, close to that again, and then go to the NFL with something like 500 carries under his belt. Whereas I think a running back room that had, that was maybe a little, I'm just going to say it better managed would have eased the load on a little bit and made him a little more attractive to, to NFL uh, teams. And so maybe he looks at that and says like, Hey, maybe I want to go somewhere else in 2024. You know, like, I don't know. I hate to be the doom and gloom guy, but like, <laughs> look, man, like that's the reality. And Omar Spates proves it. Yeah. I, I've made reference to this. I should probably clue the listener in LSU, you know, stole uh, Oregon State's linebacker. And it's heavily speculated because of a big NIL contract. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not just kidding around. Like, I, I think that should be a serious concern um, that Oregon state faces for, for Martinez for, for 2024. I think managing the room in 2023 to, to mitigate that possibility, you know, should have been something that crossed these guys' minds and, and it's, it appears not to have, uh, so like, mm. let's talk about the tight ends. Yeah. Right. I asked you about Luke Musgrave last year and you accurately predicted exactly what happened. Um, Did I? he, yes, <laughs> Good um, for me. you, uh, he wound up playing a couple of games. Um, he got dinged up and then he just sat out the rest of the year. Um, Did I predict that? Yes. Uh, Well, you didn't predict that he was going to get dinged up, but you predicted that he would wind up, uh, you know, taking any opportunity to sit out the the year and prepare for the NFL. Um, And that's what he did. Uh, And he wound up getting drafted in the second round by the Packers. Um, Which you also predicted. No. Uh, All right. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you you predicted he would get drafted. You didn't predict the round or the, the team. I mean, I did. In, I did in my head. I just, you know, I didn't want to show off too much. Uh, the other departure <laughs> is uh, uh, JT Byrne, um, who uh, who is a like a blocking uh, tight end for him. Uh, Oregon State uh, uses a lot of those. Uh, he went to uh, I think well, I think he went to Arizona. Uh, one of some other Pac-12 school. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, I think that's it for the departures. Um, you know, obviously because, you know, Musgrave, you know, only played two games and Byrne, you know, basically didn't catch, you know, the ball at all. Like it's not a huge amount of production loss, but like, uh, on the other hand, I sort of think it's sort of an end of an era, you know, for Oregon state tight ends, because, you know, between Musgrave and before him, Catoriano, who was drafted, um, you know, previously, like, you know, earlier iterations of the Oregon state offense under Jonathan Smith were, you know, throw it to the tight end, you know, offenses, right? Like they'd yeah. line up in 12 personnel and it was a lot of passes to Catoriano Musgrave. And it's why both of those guys were drafted. And, and, you know, since Musgrave, you know, Catoriano left and then Musgrave, you know, sat out for, you know, 11 of the 13 games that they played, you know, the end of an era, right? Because the, you know, the only tight ends they had to throw it to were Velling and Overman. And like, you know, they, they just weren't doing, you know, like the, the Catoriano and Musgrave era, it was like 15 to 20 catches to the tight ends, you know, every game and Velling and Overman, it's like 15 catches all year long. You know, it was like one catch every year, you know, like those guys are primarily blockers. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, Travis? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, yeah. I mean, I don't really have much to add to that, but. Well, well, I do have a question. Like, I'm very certain that Overman, you know, is is a blocking tight end, like occasional catch the ball guy. But, you know, because he's been around for a while, like I've got a pretty good idea about what he is. But Jack Velling was uh, a true freshman in 2022 and actually kind of impressive that he played as much as he did, although I think that probably, you know 
was because of, of Musgrave, you know, sitting out. Um, but like they haven't really recruited that many tight ends. Like they, they actually like seemed like they were really cutting down on the recruitment of tight ends. Um, so it was like pretty small, you know, like they only had like two available scholarship tight ends, I think, you know, last year and or three with burn, but like burn, like I said, wasn't a pass catcher and they were really relying on a true freshman and like, I don't know. Should I read this as here's the opinion question that I've got for you, Travis. All right. Should I read this as a deliberate thing where they're deliberately trying to transition away from being a tight end dominated um, uh, pass passing game? Or should I just read this as, oh, they were caught in the lurch with Musgrave's uh, injury and Velling being a true freshman. But now, hey, we really believe in Jack Velling. And now that he's, you know, grown up and he's going to be a true sophomore, like, no, no, no. He, you know, really the passing game is going to go right back to him and it'll be great. Like, what what do you think about that? I think we're probably somewhere in between. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to see the return of the Musgrave and uh, Quitariano, but hopefully they, they, see a little more in Belling and they can pass him a little bit more. Um, I do think one of the moves this offseason that kind of that kind of uh, raised my antenna a little bit was moving Riley Sharp, who had been yeah, man. a pretty good linebacker for yeah, them man. to tight end. So that that's one of those that makes me think that they there were some questions I, in the tight end room. And I definitely think there are some questions in the tight end room, but I don't know that Riley Sharp is the answer to those questions. I, I'm I don't know either, but I think the fact that they moved a, a linebacker who had—I mean, he wasn't, a, you know, a superstar, but he, he, he got a, he oh, played no, quite he, a bit. I mean, I don't know about superstar either, but like, yes, he's super experienced. Actually, yeah. that dude—that dude signed with Oregon State in November of 2015. <laughs> yeah, um, it was one of those he, like. <laughs> yeah, he went on an LDS mission, yeah. but then yeah, he came back and like he uh, was started playing in 2018. He's been with the team for a really long time. He graded it really well for me last year. Um, he he graded out as well as Lola Hea and. Um, and there's one other OLB who graded out uh, really well, uh, uh, Chatfield, um, the the four-star oh, yeah. uh, four graded out. A couple other edge guys did not yeah. grade out very well, but Sharp was one of the three who did. And so it was just like, why? Why are you losing one of your three really good edge guys to the tight end room? And like, man, I got to say, like, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I've literally never seen a position switch like this happen this late in a dude's career, and it worked out. Like, I, I can think of one, but yeah. That was an Oregon State. Um, oh, really? Yes. And I'm trying to remember if it was Riley or Anderson. It was mm -hmm. right in that. But Obum Guacham, who was a wide receiver hmm. and never really played much, he went to defensive end, I think, for just his final year. And then. But have you seen it work the other way from defense to offense? No, not, the, not off the top of my head. I don't. I, yeah, I can't remember a single. I, so, I, I, yeah. So, yeah, no, that. that that definitely makes me think that they're not too, they don't feel too strong about the tight end room. If they're, if they're making that move um, there's well, okay. So there's two other position or additions. Um, one is a true freshman who joins in the fall. He's a mid three star Cooper Jensen. Um, I don't know what to think about that guy. And the other is Jermaine Terry, um, who's a former four star. Um, he joined with Cal in 2021. You know, I've had a couple of years to watch him at Cal under Bill Musgrave's offense, which let me tell you, puts a lot of tight end on the field. You know, like at, po at points he was playing four tight ends. That dude's had a lot of opportunities <laughs> to shine and he didn't shine. Like I've mm, his, yeah. 
Like I, yeah, that's. I think that's one of those. You go, okay, well, maybe we can find something in it. Maybe not, but I don't know. Yeah. It's. I don't know, man. Like I, I'm just really, I'm, I'm not, I'm not real high on this group. Like I get, like if anybody is is gonna impress me, I, I guess it'd be Velling because like he was a true freshman and like you can, you know, tr- true freshman can can take a jump. You know, like I, I don't want to, I, I try not to be down on true freshman. Um, and and frankly, the fact that he played, you know, as much as he did as a true freshman is like kind of something in his corner. But otherwise, like man, oh man, you know, for a unit that was like the centerpiece of the passing offense under you know Jonathan Smith, I'm sort of like, what does this room become? Yeah, I, I, I guess we'll see. You know, it, it, t- t- Terry may turn into something under a better offense. You know, I certainly think more highly of Jonathan Smith than I do of Justin Wilcox. Uh, you know, Jensen, I don't know, that could be a diamond in the rough. You know, we don't see him until the fall. Who knows? Riley Sharp, you know, like I said, I've never seen it happen, but there's a first time for everything. I don't know. Like, and I, but it's just like, it's hard for me to project this unit being great. Uh, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely think this is going to be one of the weaker spots on the, on the team this year. Wide receivers. Um, yeah, that was my reaction too. losing. So uh, losing uh, the top two most targeted guys, uh, Treshawn Harrison and Tyon Lindsay, um, kind of an end era. Those guys felt like they were been on the team for a long time. Um, yep. uh, both of them went especially Tyjon Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. Both of them were actually. It's, it was interesting. All, all four of the four star wide receivers um, on the team are um, were transfers. And uh, Harrison came in from Florida State. Lindsay came in from Nebraska. Uh, Dunmore came in from Penn State, and then Tung came in from Georgia. Although he's not a receiver anymore, we'll talk about. That guy in a little bit, yeah. But yeah, Harrison and Lindsay were the two most targeted guys. Like Harrison was on the field like pretty much at all times, and then you know it was like Harrison was on the field at all times, and then because they were in eleven or twelve personnel most of the time, it was Lindsay Gould and Bolden, and it was like two of those three guys, or or yeah. Um. So anyway, Lin- Harrison and Lindsay, the uh, uh, undrafted free agent contracts with the Titans and the Seahawks, respectively. I kind of think those are significant blows, um, because like they were, you know, obviously the quarterbacks were pretty comfortable throwing to those guys they do return uh golden gould and bolden who were the next two you know most targeted guys when you put them together they're golden ah uh, yes. sorry I, i'm sorry right. i'm sorry don't apologize for that <laughs> um i'm but they did not take any portal uh additions they they took four freshmen um but no portal additions do i have that right um yes you know i gotta say i'm not i'm not i i don't really see really great prospects to replace harrison and Lindsay here um <laughs> yeah it's interesting we were talking about how they finally potentially have kind of their quarterback room maybe solved and now between the wide receivers and the tight ends it's like okay but who are they going to throw it to who's, yeah, who's there to catch the ball obviously golden bolden have their jobs locked down um but you know they're they're not like super duper athletes or anything and, and uh and sort of more to the point they're not outside guys both of them are like five eight you know they're they're both you know they're, they're not flankers you know that that was why harrison was on the field you know every time because that guy was six one he was like the closest thing that they had to, you know to a reliable outside guy and it's like you know dunmore has now been on the team for a long time and he's basically shown nothing you know he's got like 10 catches since 
since starting playing college football in 2019. Uh, and like, man, I, I don't, you know, beats me. Josiah Irish is mostly used as a sweep guy, but even then si Silas Bolden's a better sweep guy. He gets more than double the yards per, per carry. Uh, Valson and Pope barely saw the field. Those guys are eating up scholarships and then that's it. That's the end of the room. Like, you know, they're, they're, they, like I said, they took four freshmen, you know, do you think the freshmen are, 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 are going to play? Uh, what's your opinion of, of this room, Travis? It's yeah, I don't. Uh, and the freshmen just, are all I, short. It's five eleven, five eleven, five nine. You know, it's like where's the where's the outside receivers, man? You know. I was just talking about how the the tight end might be the weak spot. Now I'm now I'm kind of reevaluating that thought. I'm I yeah. Think it's really I, crazy. It's like it's crazy it's, they didn't take a portal guy, especially like a portal outside guy. I think some of the freshmen do probably get some looks, but like you said, they are shorter guys. It's not they don't yeah. really have that big. I mean, they sort of had their shorter guy, you know, thing figured out, you know. There's yeah. a walk on Jeremiah Noga, um, I guess. He actually got two catches last year. But like, yeah, here here are the dudes who are six two. It's Dunmore, you know, who I like like I talked about was a four star. It's just like he's never put it together. Um, and it's been a long time. He was Noga, who's a walk on, uh, Valson, who got one catch, you know, in, in being on the team, you know, for the last two years. And there's Pope, who's never seen the field. He's been on the team for three years, um, and was a you know, was a low three star. And then and then that's it, you know, like that's the end of the room. Like I, I just think I like this is crazy. <laughs> You know, that they, they didn't take any like portal additions, you know, for outside receiver, you know, like there was, a, you know, all this hullabaloo, but like, oh, we finally solved our quarterback problem. We went out and got like two blue chips and then like they got no one to throw it to, especially <laughs> on the outside. Like, what, what, you know, what is this roster management, man? Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 again, I wish I had an answer. I admittedly, I hadn't really put much thought into it until I was sort of just looking at now. And yeah, now, now you got me, you got me questioning <laughs> oh, things to be honest. Oh man, I've, I've made you mad. <laughs> have, have you gotten, um, well, let me, let me put it this way. Have you gotten any sort of camp reports about like, you know, Oh, this guy's really stepped it up. Like I know he hasn't really shown anything before now, but like, hell yeah, this dude. Not that I can recall, honestly. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember anything from, from spring spring ball that, that stood out, but not that I recall as far as receivers go. Um, I think it was sort of just more of the same names that we kind of expect to be get the playing time. But like you said, there's, they all sort of have a ceiling. Um, so, yeah. Weird. Yeah. I don't, I, I will, I will give a quick, um, quick uh, shout out. I don't know if you're looking, I'm looking at the roster right now. There's a, there's a receiver you didn't mention. Oh, who's that? This Carson Boshma. He's, he oh, was a, Juco? Yeah, he, he, I, my previous life, that sounds weird. It's not like I'm reincarnated. Mm. We'll just, we're just at this. A few years ago, I was a high school athletic trainer at Tigard High School, and his dad was our athletic director. And I've known that kid since he was a little ball boy on the sidelines. So I don't yeah. know, I don't know what they, if, what, if he's going to get any playing time, but I'm, I'm personally rooting for him. Uh, nice. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't think he was on scholarship, was the reason why I didn't. Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. But no, now no, that I, I, in my notes, I did see him playing in the spring game, which is more than I can say for like most <laughs> of the receiver core. I was sure is being yeah. like, held out for one reason or another. So like, all right, man, uh, you got it. He's going in the article. All right. <laughs> Woo. Uh, per friend of the podcast, uh, uh, Carson Boschman. All right. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line. As you said, you know, strength of the team. Uh, definitely strength of the offense. And uh, returning everybody or basically everybody from last year's line, 
Um, I think there's only one departure, Brandon Kipper, uh, right? Yeah. Um, they kind of surprised me a little bit, although you called it um, when we talked last year, which is that Kipper, um, uh, uh, who had been the right tackle in previous years, switched over and played right guard. Um, and they had Fuaga, who was a uh, Taliesi Fuaga, who had been a backup, um, came in and played right tackle. I was uh, slightly skeptical of that because, like, you know, like I said, he was a backup and he was like carrying, you know, he's like 335, which is a little big um, for the role, but like he actually, you know, cut down to 325, was very playable and actually graded out the best of any of the linemen. So, like, way to go. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have been doubtful of Jim Halchick, best off. <laughs> offensive line developer in the Pac-12, like, way to go, way, way to go, Fuaga. There was a uh, sort of a weird injury back and forth at left guard throughout the season. You know, they started out with uh, uh, Marco Brewer, um, but then, like, he got hurt two games in, so they switched to Hanelli Bloomfield, but then he got hurt three games after that, so they went back to Brewer, but then uh, Brewer got hurt again, so they put, you know, Bloomfield back. This, like, happened, like, three or four times <laughs> during the year, where they yeah. switched between Brewer and Bloomfield, um, and then at the very end of the year, like, both of them were out at the same time, so they had to bring in a third guy, who was Tanner Miller, who was unrated out of high school, and actually he was really problematic but like a pain in that <laughs> but anyway my point is like brewer and bloomfield basically were were splitting time so much that like hey uh, this is really easy to solve you know with with kipper gone they just yeah. keep one of those guys at left guard they move the other of the guys to fill in kipper's spot spot at right guard everybody else keeps their job you know jonathan gray stays at left tackle jake Levengood stays at center fuaga stays at right tackle and you're done you know like this is the easy you know starting lineup to figure out in the universe right yeah and yeah. It, yeah and and i actually recently i think it was pro football focus did their like top 20 at, at every position and i think all five of oregon state starters were on that list if i remember yeah. correctly or it might have been top 30 but still yeah it's just They're, it's this is this is the first year like i've always had confidence with the line because of Coach M, but this is the first year I'm like, oh, they got so like it where you can see it, where it's not just sort of this blind, like, oh, I believe in coach. I believe that they're that the coach will figure it out and get them to get this is where I'm like, oh, no, you can see like all these dudes are pretty good. Um, well, they, so. I mean, they definitely punch above their weight class, you know. Oh, like, absolutely. You know, because we're absolutely I mean, we're talking about like low three stars across the board. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're playing way better than that, and like they're all upperclassmen, and they were all upperclassmen last year, you know. So now, you know, it's going to be even better, you know. So you know, or so you would expect. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's, like, that's... yeah, I'm expecting the offensive line to be very good. Um, I did have like two little quibbles. Well, I have one little quibble about performance and I have one little quibble about depth. The depth one takes longer to talk about. So let me uh, circle back to that one in a second. The one little quibble that I have about performance is this was really weird. So Josh Gray, the left tackle, he was left tackle in in 2021. He graded out really well for me in 2021, both uh, against the run and against the pass, which, you know, great. That's what I expected. In 2022, he uh, also graded out really well uh, uh, for uh, run blocking. In fact, better uh, than he did in 21 for run blocking. But against the pass, he actually graded out fairly poorly, um, which is kind of a like that's bizarre um, and definitely not what you want out of your left tackle. And I actually think sort of contributed to a lot of the sort of past problems that Gilbranson was having, you know, like, I mean, Gilbranson is the chief problem for Gilbranson's, you know, past problems, but it doesn't help to have your left tackle, you know, kind of like, Oh, what's going on here? Did you like, 
did anybody even acknowledge this? Like, am I, am I the first person to have ever said anything at all about? Because <laughs> no, nobody watches offensive line. Films yeah, I'm about to say me. yes. I'm just gonna say yes. I think uh, you are. I, I mean, <laughs> I was about to ask. You know, has anybody ever explained that? And then I thought, no one's probably even ever acknowledged this, much less yeah, explained yeah. it. All right. Um, I swear to God, like if 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 I wanted to, I could put together a 10 minute low light reel that would make <laughs> you, you know, want to want to want to kick his head in. You know, I mean, I'm not going to do that, of course. And it would also be unfair because like the difference between a really good offensive lineman and a really bad offensive lineman is one of them has a 10 percent error rate and one of them has a 20 percent error rate. So like it's not that big of a difference. It's just like. And, you know, so like cherry picking, you know, that's why, you know, whenever anybody gets up on Twitter and puts like, oh, look, this guy had one bad play or one really good play. And so therefore he's really good or really bad. It's just like, get out of here with that stuff. Like, that's not that's not how you're supposed to do, you know, like that's, you know, not appropriate evaluation. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. That it was like, that was kind of weird that like his pass blocking grades, you know, really slipped on my tally sheet, I, you know? And, and a lot of times when, when you see something like that, it's sort of like, it's like a concealed injury, you know, kind of thing, yeah. you know? And what they say at the end of the season was like, Oh yeah, we couldn't tell you this during the year, but he had like a broken toe and, uh, but he'll be fine in the fall, you know? So don't worry about that. Have, did, did, was there any, did they say anything? like that not that you, do you hear it all right all right i mean it could okay. have i could it could have been something and i missed it but not that i recall all right let me do departures actually kind of a lot of departures uh, uh you know kipper played the rest of these guys didn't play but you know uh, so henry buckles uh jacob frenzy joe quillen um all uh left the team with a bunch of eligibility lifts was, was kind of weird um and then uh campbell mccard and zach holmes who i think were both walk-ons um they hit the portal and i actually got a bunch of offers you know from other programs like lower divisions but they're like hey i'm a jim mahal check you know walk-on give me yeah. money um so like good for them. <laughs> or like literally good for them like way to go that's exactly what you ought to do uh, <laughs> so uh anyway um i don't really think that affects the, the the rotation at all although i do think they might have been able to use a couple of those guys as backup guards for the what i'm about to talk about in a second but first i want to talk about um tackle situation i think their tackle situation is fine the reason for that is they brought in a transfer tackle a uh, grant stark from nevada um, I think if they have a problem, a tackle, you know, Stark just slides right in um, and they'll be fine there. Um, I also think that they have, you know, of the um, of the scholarship guys that they have um, who are not red shirt freshmen. Um, two of them, I believe, are built like tackles, uh, Tyler Morano and Tommy Spencer. So, like, I think they got three scholarship guys. Uh, Murano, Spencer, and Stark, who could all play tackle. So that's plenty of depth. You know, I don't think they're going to have any problem, you know, uh, backup tackle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. I am a little concerned about backup guard if they have a problem there. Because, you know, like I said, they will probably solve the, the starting guard problem by moving last year's primary backup guard over to be the new starter. So, okay, who's the backup there? Well, probably Tanner Miller, who played back, you know, the who was the second backup guard, a.k.a. the third guy in. And I, I had to chart that guy playing live film. It was bad man like he graded out very poorly and i mean he was a walk-on dude but like i'd be worried that they were putting in a walk-on because like look here's the deal it's him and there's only one other guy on scholarship i think who is built like a guard and that's jason white 
And like, I haven't seen Jason White at all. And they were putting in Tanner Miller instead, whose walk-on didn't play very well. And like literally everybody else was a freshman last year. Like all four of them, Dylan Lopez, Luca Vincic, Nathan Elu, and Jacob Strand were all true freshmen last year. So it's understandable why they didn't play well. They're just redshirt freshmen now. And I don't like, I don't know, man. Like I sort of think that that, I mean, that they have, they have a bunch of bodies, but like, and they add a couple of new true freshmen, you know, in the fall, Jacob Anderson and Zaka Betsy, Xander Etsy, but you know, those guys as well are mid three stars. Like, I don't know, there's a bunch of dudes like bodies, you know, they're going to run out of bodies or anything, but like in terms of like experienced, talented backup guards, they sort of, they ate that dude, his, you know, that, that was Bl- Bloomfield, that, that guy's going to yeah. be their nude new starter. And now they don't have a backup and it's sort of like, well, what happens now if a guard gets hurt, you know, I, you know, that, that's my concern. Like if, if they have an injury at guard, I sort of think they, they, they're in a thin situation because it's not, they didn't get a Stark. That's what I'm saying. They went out and yeah. got a Stark at tackle. They didn't get his equivalent at guard. Uh, and so like, that might be a concern end of rant. Do do you, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. I, this is one of those, I, I feel like we have this, a similar conversation to this every year when we talk about the O-line is just, there's always that question mark of depth. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I just think because like that's who Bloomfield. What remember when they yeah, got Bloomfield exactly. from Utah State a couple of years ago? Yeah, it like was, that's it was what that, we like, talked about. It was like good way to go. You know, you yeah, a, you know, a backup from you know transfer. You know, and was, so I had the same reaction when they got Stark, but it was like, where's his equivalent guard? You know, I, I, my hope is that they believe in one of the the younger guys that ha- hasn't yeah. really seen the field yet. Um, you know, like like talk about Dylan Lopez. He was mm-hmm. fairly decently recruited. Yeah. Yeah, he's a point eight seven. Yeah. So I, I I'm wondering if he's sort of that next guy up. Where I think he's kind of they kind of envision him as either center or guard. So, but I don't know. Yeah, it's there's definitely no one on the on the roster that makes you go okay. If if a guard gets hurt or if the center gets hurt, this is who's coming in. Well, see, you know, that's you why don't have that. Yeah, that's that's why I mentioned the departures that I said were maybe a little head scratching that Henry Buckles and Jacob Frenzy and Joe Quillen, because it was sort of like, hmm, maybe they could have used those guys because those, those guys are 2021, 2019, 2019. You know, th- those are not red shirt freshmen. Yeah. They, you know, so it's sort of like, hmm, maybe they could use those guys. Yeah. All right. Let's switch over and talk about the defense. This is the first year in a long time that I've actually like, hey, the defense. Hey man, this is the first like, year in a long time that it's not like, oh shit, we got to talk about the defense. <laughs> I mean, it was a huge jump, right? I think they were it's ranked a, like like ninety one in F plus in twenty twenty one, and they were ranked thirteenth in twenty twenty two. I mean, like, what a massive jump! Uh, like, that's crazy. Like, you know what a jump it is. Um, I've got uh, some opinions uh, on this. I want to bounce them off of you, Travis. <laughs> you always um, got opinions. I, I got opinions, man. Like, what That's what a mean? podcast is about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. True. Well, we force people to hear them. Absolutely. I, so, um, number one, I think that about eighty percent of it is it's a, it was very senior laden defense, right? Like t- tons of dudes who were playing like their fourth, fifth, some guys even sixth year, like Jack Coletto somehow. Um, Jadon Grant was somehow, I, I think that guy started <laughs> playing football in 2016. Like I have no idea how, like how that came to be. Um, 
And like, you know, that's sort of the, you know, sort of like what we were talking about with, with Jim Halchick's uh, offensive linemen. It's like, you get them, you know, on the field and playing seriously for that long. And they sort of like mature in their senior year and they kick ass and sort of like, you know, yeah, the stars aligned, you know, for Oregon state where they had all these dudes all playing as seniors at the same time, they just really kicked ass. And like, I've been writing about them for a long time. It's like, yeah, I like the roster management here. These guys are really, you know, really maturing all at the right time. And, you know, yeah, I really think they kicked ass. I think that was a big part of it. And like, good, good for them. Junior, seriously, hats off. I'm really glad that those guys ended their career with a bang and a bunch of them, you know, wound up in the NFL. Um, uh, so, you know, awesome. Um, or, you know, went to LSU and got paid. <laughs> <laughs> also uh, awesome for him. You know what? Good for him. I, I do think, I, I think another like 20% of it um, is credit to Trent Bray. Um, I, I was, when he took over, he uh, his predecessor, Tim Tibisar, was... Terrible. Uh, uh, I, well, he Sorry. was fired at the, uh, I think it's more nuanced than that. I, I do <laughs> actually think that something bad should be said about Tim Tibisar, but like, it's more nuanced than just like, Oh, this guy's garbage. Yeah, and Trent yeah. Bray is, is an angel. Tim Tibisar was fired uh, towards the end of the 2021 season. There was like th- three games left in the regular season. Plus they played a bowl game. So we got four games worth of Trent Bray. The first two games were against Arizona state and Stanford, those two teams had really packed it in. And then, you know, what we saw was that those two teams both eventually fired their coaches or actually Shaw resigned. And so like the sort of bounce, I was sort of later, you know, I was like, yeah, cause th- those teams packed it in, man. And then, you know, they played Oregon and at the end of 2021, Oregon ran them off the field. And then in the bowl game, well, the bowl game against Utah state, they lost, although I don't really think that was on the defense. It was the offense just didn't show up in that game, which is, that was really weird. But anyway, the, here's the point that I wanted to make. Uh, what I should have noticed um, at the time was that Bray did make, Bray was the inside linebackers coach. Oh, and by the way, the other thing that he should be fully credited for was, hey, he played a big part in developing all those guys that I just finished praising as like, you know, really developing and maturing as seniors. Like he played a big part, you know, in all of that. So like, full credit to him i'm not trying to take a single thing away from him as as a developer way to go um and here's the other thing that i'm giving him 100 full credit for is that i do believe that he structurally changed the defense from a dumb thing that tim tibisar was trying to do to a smart thing that he does now structurally the dumb thing that tim tibisar was trying to do was insisting on running a 3-4 defense but they didn't have a nose right like they were trying to run a 3-4 which is like a big nose and some bigger you know ends who play in the tackles and then two sort of smaller olbs who are like the claws of the bear and the bear front and like but they never had a nose right and so they were sort of like they were forced into running a 2-4 defense and by the way listener in case this sounds familiar it's, it is it is familiar it's because it's exactly the same problem that cal and stanford have had and over the exact same time frame it was crazy there were three teams in the pac-12 that had exactly the same problem anyway uh, bray was the one who solved it first um, and that's by, and he started solving it in the bowl game. And then he continued this solution for all of 2022 and it is the correct solution. So hats off for him for having, you know, figured it out and doing it and, and shame on Tim Tibisar for never having figured this out. Um, which is he, he actually just switched it to be a proper two, four, you know, it realigned the interior defensive alignment to actually just be two defensive tackles, had the edges just be edges where they're sort of like they're, they're, they're not skinny OLBs, they're edge setting defensive ends. Although several of them sort of had the legacy title OLB, but I think they're better sort of thought of as DEs. In fact, I actually think maybe this defense is better 
thought of as a four two than a two four but that's sort of a semantic distinction it's it what it is not is an embarrassed three four it is a properly configured and structured defense for the roster that they have so full credit trent bray I just only is I just wanted to make the point. I think that's the smaller part of it. I think the large because Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's, you know, like it's, it, you know, the seniors was, you know, the thing. And then the smallest part of it, or actually the non-existent part of it, to be perfectly honest, is the idea that he's like a more aggressive and daring play caller, <laughs> that he's like blitzing more often or whatever. Because you know what? That's actually a testable proposition. If you chart all of the games, you can test how often that they're blitzing and you can run the correlation analysis about, you know, offensive formation and field position and score versus what the defensive configuration is and the uh, man versus zone coverage and blitzing. And you can test against the entire 2021 defense with Tibisar and the entire 2022 defense with Bray. And guess what? Guess what happens when you run the correlation analysis? They're exactly the same play calling. They're exactly the same level of aggression. They use exactly the same blitz patterns. They use exactly the same man versus zone decisions, which of course they do. They came off the same tr coaching tree. They use the same decision-making matrix. Like the idea that Bray is like succeeding more because he's more aggressive is this kind of stupid thing that dumb media people who don't do film studies say and shame on them. Okay, now I'm done. Um, with all that rant. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm glad that was I'm eating. Glad you got that out there. Yeah. I'm, I think so. And I'm, I'm this glad we we're here people. to let you, let you help you cut that out. Cause I, what I, I, there was, I wanted, there was a lot in there. I, I don't I don't want people to come away from this thinking that I don't think that that I secretly think that Trent Bray is secretly like a terrible defensive coordinator. I do not think that in the slightest. I think that you should be given full credit for developing all the dudes that he developed. I think that you should be given full credit for having recognized the problem with the structural uh, issues that three four defense presented and, and reconfiguring it um, and that he play calls, you know, appropriately. I just don't think that, you know, people who are credited this the thing that people say about like oh he blitzes more so therefore you know he's more aggressive it's just like how many times have you heard that you know like adam you had a whole rant about this like what do we hear every off season out of like oh we simplified the defense and we've gotten more <laughs> aggressive it's just like the most inane mm -hmm. you know yeah anyway that's the end of my rant travis do you have any opinions about my rant <laughs> that was a lot but yeah i think i mean I wish I could add something to that, but I think you, uh, you, you, yeah, I agree. That's helpful. This is, this is great freaking podcasting. I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there is a, what's the opposite of the silver lining? Um, the, the, what the opposite of the silver lining is that all those really awesome seniors are gone are gone. <laughs> and I'm sort of predicting, um, are kind of a fall off for this defense. Um, as a result, uh, do you think that is a, a crazy thing to predict? I think a step back is 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 probably going to happen. I don't. I I. I think there are some positions where they're going to hold steady. Yeah, I, I there don't, are other I don't positions think, where it looks pretty bad. I think uh, a step back, but maybe not a fall off. Because when I think a fall off, I think we're going back to where we were before, and I oh, don't yeah. think they'll drop to that. But I think I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Um, like you said, you they lost a lot of. A lot of dudes, a lot of senior, a lot of, a lot of experienced dudes. Um, but I, I still think last year they were, they were borderline great defense. I yeah. think they will be decent to good this year versus, you know, previous years where it was 
I mean, it was, I mean, there were awful. some years where they were like historically bad, like in the yeah. history, like literally yes. in the history of advanced stats, there had never been a worse defense. <laughs> so, so like, so, yeah. so I think, I think there'll be a drop back, but I think it will still be closer to uh, last year than it will, um, you know. Well, yeah, his, I mean, like historically I said, like, bad. Like merely correcting that structural, we're never gonna be a three four with a nose. Yeah, yeah. You know pro- that that creates a floor, and like like I said, I do think there are a couple of positions, edge and safety, yeah. where I think they're not taking a step back. In fact, edge, I think they actually may be taking a net step forward. Um, um, but like a couple of positions that, and in fact, actually a couple of positions that I think were largely responsible for the huge step forward, namely inside linebacker and cornerback, like, oh boy, I, I think they're taking a big step back. And I think those positions were chiefly responsible for them being like 13th. So like, yeah, I could actually see like, yeah, oh, uh, that could be a problem. Yeah. that I, I mean, I'm sort of in that same boat. I'm looking, you know, looking through, I do think the D line will be, all right to good and yeah but it is the inside linebackers and the cornerbacks that are a little bit going okay what do we have here but so like mean, you, said, you have some guys that they that they've shown some promise so you just kind of hope that they can yeah. take that step forward this year um at least at inside linebacker there's some names there uh cornerback i honestly have no idea so like <laughs> i said scares me yeah it, as well it should man um but let's start out with the defensive line um, like I said, a little bit tricky because the official roster just lists like 13 dudes and I, and there's like a couple of um, yeah. like freshmen incoming as defensive line. But, you know, as I just finished with that whole rant about how t- uh, uh, Bray has changed the defensive structure, I think there are four dudes. I think most of the dudes who are listed as defensive line are are um, interior uh, defensive linemen and really should be considered defensive tackles. But there are four dudes who are listed as defensive linemen who I actually think are better considered defensive ends, a.k.a. edge players. Um, and so I'm going to reserve them for when we talk about the edges. But just um, to let you know who those four dudes who I'm thinking of are, they are Sione Lolahea, Takari Hickel, uh, uh, the transfer in from Wyoming, uh, Oluwesi yeah. Omotosho, and the freshman that they just got uh, who early enrolled, Kelsey Howard. Um, those four dudes on the official roster is listed are listed as DLs, but I don't think those are DTs. I think those are DEs. And the reason that I think that they're DEs is number one, their body types. And number two, I watched them play edge in the spring game. You know, you can't fool me. I, I watched them. Um, even though that game was played in research stadium, which is still half torn down and the camera is at field level. And so it's really hard to watch film. That's another like long rant that I'm, going to uh, stop myself from going on. So let's talk about the tackles um, who in, again, in this structure, there's two of them on the field at any given time. They lost two of them. Uh, longtime starter, Simon Sandberg, who's like some from like some Nordic country, right? Like Sweden. Sweden. Uh, yeah. So he was on the team for a long time. And then also like Cody Anderson, who's like one of the backups. They return everybody else. Uh, uh, James Rawls and Isaac Hodgins were the other you know, like primary. <laughs> two. They, they had like three. Guys, I, there was like three guys in the primary rotation of which they would p- play two at any given time. In speaking those speaking of dudes who've been there for six years, like when I was looking at the roster, I'm like, oh yeah, Isaac Hodgins is still here. Yeah, I know. Like it feels like, like 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. Those are forever. So yeah, they 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 had they needed two guys on the field at any given time. They had three guys that they were playing, and they were sort of like they'd pick two out of the these three: Sandberg, Rawls, and Hodgins. Sandberg is gone, but Rawls and Hodgins return. So it's like, well, this one's easy. It'll be those two, and then they got to pick one more guy, you know, from from the backups to throw in the mix. The, their options are from from the backups are Thomas Sayo. Um, Joe Golden, who is actually, I think, still a walk-on. Uh, he, he's an unrated FCS, but he played a little bit. Uh, Samisi Saluni, um, who played a, a little bit. He's been on the team since 2021. Uh, uh, Quincy Wright, who was a redshirt freshman last year. Tavis Shippen, who's been on the team forever, like, uh-huh. since 2018, um, but has basically never played. And uh, and a similar story for Marion uh, Fa'amoe, um, who's been on the team since 2021 and, and has never played. They brought in two new guys who I believe will be defensive tackles, one I saw in the spring game, Thomas Collins playing defensive tackle. And then the other one is Abraham Johnson. He doesn't join until the fall, but like he's built like a tackle. So I'm pretty confident putting him in, in this group. That's a ton of dudes. It's actually way more dudes than they need, given they only, you know, need to put two guys on the field at any given time. So I don't have any difficulty believing that they'll, you know, be able to like populate this unit. But like, I kind of think they're going to miss Sandberg. Like, do you see any guy here who's that you know, gonna, you know easily replicate Sandberg's like level of play? What, what do you think, Travis? I don't know. Um, I, I think I think they're going to be probably relying on. I, I'm hoping they're kind of relying on some of the younger guys if they're trying to develop them. You know, I, I think Quincy Wright was was fairly highly thought of coming in. Um, yeah, he was a point eight seven. So he's the one I was sort of had circled. Yeah, I always do. You know, whenever it's a situation like this, I always default to the redshirt freshman because it's like he's had the least time to embarrass himself. <laughs> you know, like the other guys who have been on the team for a long time. It's like, well, why haven't you played yet? At least the redshirt freshman has an excuse. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's sort of where I go to. But at the very least, you know, two returning starters or guys who you could think of as starters in, in Rawls and Hodgins who, you know, they've been on the team forever. And what I just ranted about, about like dudes who are on the team forever play really good their last year. Like, yeah, I'm expecting that out of Rawls and Hodgins and a ton of dudes, you know, they'll find somebody, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting the units to, you know, basically hold steady. If they take a step back, it'll be a small one. I don't really worry about the defensive tackles. Um, although I will say, this, like I said, when I got ahead of myself uh, earlier when we were on the offense, this unit was, Oregon State was curiously weak against a just straight up inside running. Um, they, uh, it's, and, and it was just kind of weird that they just didn't face very many teams that just wanted to pound the ball against them. Um like they didn't play Oregon until the end of the year. They didn't play UCLA at all. Like Chip Kelly totally would have like, oh my God, he totally would have. They did play Washington, but Washington wants to throw the ball like on a three to one basis, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they, you know, they, they really just didn't play a team that really wanted to punish them um, for, you know, and it sort of came down to the defensive, you know, like they, they did a good job against explosive running, you know, which is, you know, like if you're going to stop something, stop explosive rushing, you know, they, like for example, they're, uh, they're, their ability to defend short yardage runs like second and short third and short oh no those were guaranteed conversions like i'm not kidding it's like under 17 percent, and it sort of comes down to like the defensive line was just like they just they're just not that kind of defensive line you know where it's just like oh just stuff you you know on third and one they just you know this didn't do that that much so i don't know it's it's not really that big of a deal but like it's, it's worth noting all right, ends. 
now this is a position that was interesting to me. They were playing like a six person rotation here. They lose two of them and they're curious departures. Riley Sharp, we already talked about. He switched over to the tight end room, um, even though he graded out really well for me. He was like one of the three dudes, you know, who graded out really well. The other one is Cade Brownholtz, who was who got the least amount of play, although he got the punt block in the Oregon game. I said we wouldn't talk about it, but there I just did again. Um, who was just like vanished from the roster with no explanation. I, I don't like get that one at all. Uh, anyway, the two guys who return, um, who graded out really well for me, are Sione Lolahea, um, who's listed as defensive lineman, yeah, but he's really an end and is like key to understanding this entire defense. Like, or focus on Sione Lolahea and you will understand how Trent Bray reconfigured this defense. And the other one is Chatfield, who is a former four star. He transferred in from Florida. He really actually didn't play that well up until 2022 when he exploded. Like, I know his Havoc stats are not super impressive, but as a dude who sets the edge, and uh, just like he grades out really well. I really like Chatfield. The other two who were in that rotation were McCartan and Stover. McCartan is a really boomer blessed player. He's got a lot of havoc stats, but like he's sort of out of position, you know. And then the other one is Stover, who's I, I like he's just he kind of has a problem setting the edge. Uh, done ranting. Does that match up with your observations, Travis? Oh, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good. The one I'm you, you, you mentioned him a little bit. Um, the one I'm really curious about to see is is mccarton and know he's been battling some injuries well that guy's he's he's another he that's another redshirt senior like if somebody's going to be one of those like step take a big step forward in his last year you know that could definitely be him and like i said the, to the extent that i had a problem with him you know not grading out as well as some of the other guys it was because of some brain fart plays well if you're going to correct a problem that's a correctable problem in your senior year not having those brain fart plays yeah yeah, I could see it. What do you think about some of these? Um, what do you think about some of these new guys? Uh, Omotosho, the guy who came in from Wyoming, had a ton of havoc plays. Yes, at the G five level, but like, you know, seven point five uh, tackles for loss, six point five sacks. Um, the they brought in a JUCO Nico Taylor. Uh, he played in the spring game, didn't look bad. And then Kelsey Howard, the the true freshman, um, is a four star. Uh, he was playing in the spring game. That guy looks like. Like he doesn't look like he needs to redshirt. That guy looks like a, I'm not saying that he's going to be great, but he, he, I'm saying that he looks like he's, you know, his body is properly developed and ready to play right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, I don't know. It's, 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 it's such an interesting thing for Oregon state to have sort of a defensive line that I'm not scared of <laughs> um, that I, that, but yeah, they genuinely have quite a few dudes. I'm like, I think, you know, this guy could, this guy could, we could rely on this guy. Um, yeah. I do. I, I do. Kelsey Howard does look like that one that could be, I, I could see him making a huge impact as a freshman. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, like I, I have a hard time predicting, you know, who makes an impact. Cause there, I mean, like I said, yeah, it's, there's it's four, hard. Yeah. There, there's four returners, you know, who played ahead of him. Plus, you know, the, the, the transfer, you know, who's got a lot of experience. So like, I don't know, you know, about predicting an impact. It also sort of requires predicting, you know, what the staff, you know, he's yeah. going to play. I'm just saying that like, just looking at his body, there's no need to redshirt him. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's playable right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, Hey, I, th I think the, the only reason you'd redshirt him is if you're, if you don't think he's going to play that much this year and you're trying to save his yeah, eligibility, trying to save his eligibility. The future. Yeah, but, sure. I, but as far a... as, but yeah, as far as 
development. I don't. Yeah, I think he's he could get in there and compete this year. And and then the other sort of interesting thing is the two guys who are returners didn't play last year, but that's because they were redshirt freshmen, um, Matthias Malachi Donaldson and Takari Hickel. Who could be in the mix? You know, like I said, we were talking about the tackles. Like I give credit to redshirt freshman, like you know, yeah. um, and and Malachi Donaldson in particular. He was a borderline four star, you know, last year. So like he could definitely be in the mix. You know, they redshirted him for a reason. Um, and then, well, there is one other guy who's sort of low, uh, 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 three star Ryan Frankie, who's been on the team since 2019, hasn't produced anything. I do sort of like uh, he's probably if somebody gets jumped, it's probably yeah. him. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, even though I liked Sharp a lot, and really it's been the head scratcher for me why he's you know left this unit. I look at you know the balance of, of these returners and the new guys coming in and all the depth, and I'm like, yeah, this unit, if any, you know, will will definitely at least hold steady. And I think if anything, take a step forward, which I don't think I can say for any other unit, but like, yeah, you know, ends I think should be pretty good, you know, or, 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 or maybe even better, you know? Yeah. I'm the, yeah, the more I look through the depth chart, the more actually excited I am about that position. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Inside linebackers. Okay. The party's coming to a stop. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, just losing. I mean, losing both of the starters, Omar Spates yeah. and Kyrie Fisher. Um, uh, uh, Fisher's story is actually almost as wild as as Coletto's. You know, uh, you know, he left Arkansas, was briefly at a JUCO, although we don't think he ever played for them. He's just at that school. At one point, he's like sleeping in his car. Um, he's been on the team at Oregon State for a long time. You know, broke through. Now hyphenating his name for reasons relating to his father, which is actually a really interesting story if you want to look it up. Uh, yeah, and then Spates is off to play at LSU now. Like, good for him, getting the bag. Um, he's probably like raised his draft profile, so he's you know you get paid. You know, I, for anybody who's like mad about that, you know, and has some like dumb story to say about loyalty or whatever, you can get out of here with that. Like, secure the bag. Um, you know, life changing money is life changing money um and then also losing jack coletto who like this is the primary thing that he would do for the team was play backup you know inside linebacker he contributed like you know 27 tackles like oregon state is losing a combined something like 200 tackles from those three you know uh, inside linebackers you know like like oh my god you know and, and talk about like you know seniors you know guys i think it's something like 15 years worth of experience <laughs> and i don't just mean like a little like yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. existed yeah, yeah. on a football team i but mean like, like we're on the field playing yeah. for a combined 15 years now i'm counting like six for jack coletto yeah. for, <laughs> for that but like yeah man it, it, yeah um so yeah it's a big deal now uh they return one of the two backups uh Eston uh mascarenas arnold um uh, who's not bad, you know, and I fully expect him to, uh, to get promoted to being one of the, the starters and I don't really foresee any problems there, but like, who's the other starter and who are the backups going to be is like, I do think is a problem. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really seeing it out of any of the returners like, um, you know, there's there's Makaya Tung, who used to be a four star wide receiver, but has never caught a pass uh, and is now a linebacker. I have a hard time believing that's going to work out. There's a bunch of guys who basically, you know, never played John Miller, Michael Earhart, Melvin Jordan, Cord Shaw. I man, those guys have been on the well, uh, check that Miller and Earhart have been on the team for a long time and never played. Jordan and Shaw are red shirt freshmen. What do you you got an opinion on those five guys? Uh, any of those guys you think are going to break through? I think we're 
kind of coming to the same answer we did earlier with I, I'm hoping one of those redshirt freshmen. Um, but no, there's no, none of the none of them really make me go, okay, that guy's obviously going to do it. There's, yeah, there's there's question marks there. Um, my hope would be that one of those redshirt freshmen can take that step. But yeah, I'm. There is a big question mark at that second inside linebacker position. They brought in, well, they got uh, one true freshman recruit, Isaiah Chisholm, but he's, you know, another mid three star. He doesn't join until the fall. I'm, I, you know, I sort of, you know, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to beat out the red shirt freshman because he's less experienced than them. And, and like, like you said, Hey, Melvin Jordan was a, you know, was a 0.88, you know, it's a high three star, you know, he's probably ahead of Chisholm. Um, they brought in two transfers. The transfers are interesting. One of them is Mason Tufaga. Um, he was a former low four star at Utah. He joined in 2021. The guy has never played for Utah. I actually just wrote an article last week about how Utah would get all these different four star linebackers and they'd never play. They would just convert safeties um, to play for him. And he's one of them. And, you know, he's one of the Utah, you know, four stars who never played. So I don't know what to think about Tufaga because, like I said, he never played. I've never seen any film on the guy. Um, the other one is Calvin Hart. Hart has an interesting history. He originally uh, joined up with uh, North Carolina State in 2018. He had a pretty good um, uh, redshirt freshman year in 2019, but then he got hurt. Um, and then COVID was the next year, 2020, and he had, you know, injuries and COVID kind of derailed and he transferred to Illinois in 2021. He had a great first game in 2021. Um, he, uh, he got out like a fumble return for a touchdown. He was like, you know, big 10 player of the week, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, you know, way to go. Uh, but then he immediately gets hurt and, you know, misses the rest of that season. And then he comes back in 2022 and, uh, and like all the fans are like, look, are like, oh no, he sort of still looks like he's slower, you know, because of this injury, you know, maybe. Maybe they're speculating, of course, but like he never he doesn't have the same production that he, as a senior that he did as that redshirt freshman at North Carolina State in 2019. So then he hits the portal again. And, you know, now he's at Oregon State. And it's like, I think, you know, because he's, he's a veteran, right? He, like he played for four years. Um, like he instantly impresses me more than anybody else. He impresses me more than any of those returners. He impresses me more than Tufaga, who's never played. Like, yeah, he's got a bunch of experience, but I didn't see him in the spring game. You know, uh, well, I, I, I think I didn't see him in the spring game because he didn't join the team until after the spring. Um, yeah, I think he just joined like a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, I don't know, I have to wait until August, you know, to find out uh, what his status is. You know what I mean? I'm sort of like, that. it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I guess I would be penciling him in. I don't know. Like, it's a big question mark for me. Is, uh, do, do, I'll stop there. I've been talking for a while. What, what do you think about this room, uh, Travis? Who, who would you pencil in as, as potential starters, potential backups? What, um, what do you, and what do you think the likelihood is that they come anywhere close to replicating what the ILBs were doing for Oregon State last year? I don't think they're going to come close, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I'll just get that right. I don't, I think that's a, and that's no real shot at them. That's just a high bar to try to, yeah, try to meet. Um, I think you're probably right with, is it Easton? Oh, I can't, what is Mass the last name? Yeah, there we go. I think he's probably, I would pencil him in, yeah. one, in one of the spots. The other one, um, God, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I think there's, a handful of dudes it could be it's just going to be that's just going to be that competition and i could see that yeah. being one of those that sort of gets you run through some guys through the year until you kind of figure out who's going to be the best on the field um, well it's like you know tufaga even though he's the the four star in the room doesn't get any edge for me 
you know, because he's never played. Yeah. You know, and he's barely rated better than Melvin Jordan, who has also never played, you know. So it's like he isn't getting particular edge there. And then Hart, you know, I don't know his injury status. He's a veteran, but he's the lo- he's the lowest rated dude in the room. You know, he's yeah. a three star. You know, uh, you know, there's very little experience in the room. You know, Tongue was a four star, but as a four star wide but receiver, as a receiver. And, yeah, it's just like I, I'm just like I'm not and. And unlike, you know, I understand, you know, some of these guys are upperclassmen, but they're upperclassmen who were sitting on the bench for all this time, not like upperclassmen like Kyrie Fisher and Omar Spates, who were upperclassmen who've been playing for, you know, five straight years and you know, like that. So like, yeah, man, like I, I have a hard time both predicting who's going to play and I have a really hard time predicting that the, oh yeah, this will be fine. You know, they'll just instantly replicate this. Like, oh man, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's that's definitely going to be one of the spots where the defense takes a step back this year. Um, let's talk I mean, about- I, say, I say definitely. I'm not an expert. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. It's better, <laughs> but but if I had to guess, <laughs> I mean, it is Bray's unit. You know, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. it would get his attention. Let's talk about the safeties while we're talking about the middle okay. of the field. I think this they're losing Jadon Grant, who's one of the starters, and another one of those guys who were just around forever. Perfect. Like I'm not kidding. If you look at his recruiting profile, it says he's in the class of 2016. I, I don't think he actually joined the team until 2017, and that's why he was still playing. It was just like, what the heck, man? Um, he originally, with, originally committed to the Ducks and then decided yeah. to go to Oregon State. Uh, he signed a UDFA. Just, with just a little fact that I don't know if you, that you might very good. Know. Well, he's a uh, fun fact, I suppose, for some. Yeah, he he was, uh, you know, unrated out of high school. So that sounds about right for Mark Helfrich's <laughs> recruiting acumen. Um, uh, yeah, signed with the Raiders. So good for him. Um, and then a losing couple of other backups to the transfer portal, Ron Hurge and Jonathan Riley. I don't know if that matters. Um, they uh, they they returned, you know, quite a bit in the safety room to the point where I, I don't really think uh, that, you know, the loss of Grant is going to uh, affect them that much because they returned the other starter at deep safety, Kite Noladapo. Um, who was a former walk-on, although I believe he's earned a scholarship. Yeah, um, so. and then Ryan Cooper, who's the starting nickel. Um, they return a couple of the backups who got a lot of playing time: Skylar Thomas and Akili Arnold. And then they also return uh, Alton Julian, who missed all of last season with an injury, but played extensively in 2020 and 2021. Actually, I didn't see him in the spring game. I don't think. But the, he's he's going to be back to full health and, and playable in the fall, right? I, I as far as so. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I yeah. believe so. Yeah. So so I think they're going to have a ton of depth there. Um, and and in addition to that, there they still there's still even more. There's a walk on Jack Kane who played in ten games. Well, I think a lot of that was in special teams and and maybe some mob duty. Um, and then a couple of other guys, a redshirt freshman Carlos Mack, um, who I saw in the spring game, and then another guy, uh, Winston Russell, who's been on the team since 2019, who's only played a little tiny bit, but like I guess depth. I don't know, but that guy is, he's short and he's been on the team forever and he hasn't played, you know, whatever he's depth. Um, But yeah, I sort of think, you know, given, you know, returning two out of the three starters, but they have a lot of backups and, you know, they're fairly experienced backups. I not, I, I, a think they're going to be just fine without grant. Um, uh, and B, I actually think they could afford to spare a dude over to the corner room if they need to. Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. That was that's sort of what I'm wondering if is is gonna happen because looking at those two rooms, you definitely see an imbalance. Well, one of the things that I noticed, uh, j- jumping ahead of ourselves a second uh, here, or actually, you know what? I'm done with the safety room. Do, do right. you share that opinion that, that yeah, they're, yeah. they're gonna be fine? I'm not. Okay. I'm not terribly worried about that. So cornerbacks, um, the. 
the they uh, they had two starters who had been starters actually a long time. Alex Austin had been the starter for three years. Rajon Wright had been the starter for two years. Both of those guys have now uh, are off to the NFL. Uh, Austin was drafted in the seventh round by the Bills. Wright uh, is a UDFA with the Panthers. I was actually kind of surprised he wasn't drafted, but whatever. He's uh, off to the NFL now. They uh, they basically didn't rotate those guys. They basically played virtually every snap right sat out the bowl game um with a thumb injury that was the only game he didn't play austin missed the game week 12 game against arizona state with some sort of injury but then he came back for the week 13 game in the bowl game here's what was interesting they only other ever had one other cornerback play any football at all for them and that was jaden robinson um but Jaden Robinson was only coming in for like a couple of garbage time snaps up until week 12 when Alex Austin, you know, like I said, wasn't available in week 12 against Arizona State. But they didn't even start him in that game. Instead, what happened was at first they played a little bit of Akili Arnold at the other cornerback spot. And then they played a little bit of Ryan Cooper, who's actually their starting nickel um, at that uh, cornerback spot and 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 actually brought in and they were playing three inside linebackers and no nickel. You know, and then they finally said, "Okay, finally, let's put in Jaden Robinson as a cornerback. Um, And and it wasn't until the bowl game that Wright sat out that they put in. That was his first start ever, you know, as a cornerback. It just really felt like they. Yeah, man, I, I guess you can interpret where I'm going with this. It felt like they didn't trust Robinson at all. Um, Do you think that's a fair interpretation of my recitation of facts? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I well, mean, that's, does that's, that mean that they ought to be really, 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 really worried about this cornerback room? Because Robinson is the only guy that they have. They don't even have yeah. a second guy, and the one guy that they have, they don't trust. Yeah, it's it's um... who was a low three star and came in in 2018 and has never played. And the only other three guys are all redshirt freshmen who like have never played because they're redshirts. Yeah, I'm. That's this, bad. Is, this, is, this is the position that scares me the most. I'm gonna it's just scared the sure. shit out of you, Travis. Because <laughs> they didn't rotate at all. And like, frankly, Austin and Wright weren't, I mean, they were good last year. That was the first year they were good. Yeah, good. You know, sure. like it took them that long to blossom into that version. I don't think you can expect that out of these. I mean, frankly, I don't think you can expect that out of these guys ever, but if you can ever, it ain't going to be this in 2023. They brought in so the, the other than Robinson, the three returners who were retro freshmen that I mentioned are Sam Mason, Joe Swin, and Noble Thomas. Uh, not to be confused with Skylar Thomas. Um, I saw those three in the spring game, but like I said, the redshirt freshmen shouldn't trust guys at cornerback who are redshirt freshmen never played before. Yeah. Um, they brought in. Uh, there's two more uh, uh, true freshmen, but those guys are also uh, uh, you know mid three stars. I see no reason why they should jump redshirt freshmen. Um, those are guys of German McCoy and Andre Piper Jordan, unless. Have you heard something like, oh, this guy is super awesome? No. All right. No. So then they brought in a Juco, uh, Tyrese uh, Ivy. He uh, he played at College of San Mateo last year. I, I'm not actually sure if he was a starter or not. He played in eight games of, I think, their 11-game season. He got 17 tackles, which is like the sixth most of a defensive back at CSM last year. Um <laughs> Dude, like, who, like, I don't know. He could be good. You know, you, you can't actually go by tackle count for defensive backs because if, like, you're a good cornerback, they don't throw against you, right? But, like, dude, this is a lot of weight to be putting on one dude's shoulders. For sure. And he's the only guy. Yeah. 
and you need two of them. And like, what if he gets hurt? You know, it's just like, this is, this is potentially really, really bad. Like, I think you could make an argument that Austin and Wright stepping up was the thing, like the thing that caused uh, Oregon state to make that big defensive jump. And now they're both gone. And what they're replacing them with is, Oh, holy shit. You know, and then yes, they're going to go up against quarterbacks in this league. Like, I mean, it could be true that the defensive front, you know, hey, maybe they get lucky at inside linebacker and it's not as bad as we were worried about. And maybe it really is the case. The defensive edges get better, you know, than they were last year. And the defensive tackles are not a problem. Like maybe the defensive front is actually, you know, just as good or even maybe a little bit better, you know, last year. Maybe they fixed that, you know, inside rushing problem that I was talking about that nobody made them pay for last year. Well, maybe, uh, you know, it won't be a problem at all last year, but like quarterbacks in this league ain't going to give a shit. They're just going to throw over the top and, and just punish these cornerbacks. Um, that's my prediction for this team. Travis, do you think I am just being a hater? I wish I could say yes. To that. Uh. <laughs> I wish I could, but, but the cornerbacks position does. Yeah. I'm scared. I'm worried. Okay. We'll see. Well, that's definitely I'm, where I'm, I want but, you but to I'm, be. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I, I like, we kind of, over. I well, would not, okay, okay. I would not Hold be on. stunned to say, see them move uh, a safety over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have left it there because that's the whole reason I, I started talking about the safeties first. I actually think the depth situation at safety is good enough that I actually wouldn't be surprised if they did something like move Akili Arnold over. Because, yeah. like I said, he was the first dude in the very yeah. first dude that they needed to. He was the in on the first rep of the first time that somebody was out who was that, you know, week 12 game against Arizona State. It was Akili Arnold, and he's a backup. They don't necessarily need him. I mean, they need somebody to replace Jadon Grant, but that I think that'll be Skylar Thomas. Um, so they may be able to afford to Keely Arnold to move over to the cornerback room. Now, they didn't do that in the spring game. He was still playing traditional safety, but maybe they move him over and play nickel and they have Cooper, who was sitting out the spring game, and have Cooper move over and play cornerback that's my point is i actually think that may be the way that they solve this cornerback problem is move one of the safeties over um although even then that's not a guy who's played a lot of cornerbacks so like yeah it still, still may mark. not be a great solution um but yeah mm. uh yeah i you know. <laughs> and yet you'll still beat the ducks and that's gonna infuriate me i'm wow it's gonna destroy me <laughs> Which I've said as a joke in past years, and then it'll randomly happen, and and I am pissed, and I am uh, <laughs> thinking about not inviting you back, but uh, it always happens because you're a great guest, Travis. That's what I'm trying to get to. Travis, there's a there's a wrap up question I want to ask you. That's sort of a, an overview question, and I I warned you before we started recording. I was going to ask you this. Um, I have noticed that there, you know, the Pac-12 has has switched out a lot of their lazy roster managers with a lot more aggressive roster managers. Um, uh, you know, throughout, especially the Pac-12 South, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, uh, Colorado, USC, you know, all four of those schools have switched some of the laziest roster managers for some of the most aggressive ones. Um, 
And uh, and for a long time, you know, I, I I was praising Jonathan Smith as being what I thought was like a, a pretty good, you know, roster manager. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think maybe times are passing him by because when I had been going through Oregon State's roster, I noticed a lot of guys that like I think a more aggressive roster manager might have said, hey, it's time for you to hit the portal. Um because I, I count 14 dudes and I want to recapitulate who I think these guys are for you to tell me, you know, um, uh, whether you think I've got any of these guys wrong. Okay. Um, so here, here are 14 guys who have been on scholarship for multiple years. All, all of them started in 2021 or earlier and actually, th- uh, um, uh, only three of them, it's 2021, the, the, the other 11, it's 2020 or earlier, who basically they haven't played or they're, I, I think they're not as good as like replacement value in the portal. So here we go. Ready? Yep. Uh, they're the running backs, Gavin Haynes and Isaiah Newell. Uh, the wide receivers, uh, John Dunmore, Josiah Irish, Trevor Pope, Jimmy Valson, and well, Micaiah Tong, although he's a linebacker now. Um, the defensive tackles, Marion Famoy and Samisi Saluni and Tavis Shippen, uh, the outside linebacker, Ryan Frankie, uh, the inside linebackers, uh, Michael Earhart and John Miller and the defensive back Winston Russell. Any, any of those 14 guys that I just mentioned, you want to go to bat for and say, no, 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 that guy is actually a stud. He's going to be great. He's coming on (laughs) online this year, you know, just, um, I wouldn't quite go the the whole um stud or anything like that but i do think a couple of the receivers i understand why they might have kept them just in irish and dunmore because i do think there is some pedigree there and but yeah a lot of the other guys it, it, there's I, it's one of those i don't know if it's a jonathan smith is trying to be show loyalty to these guys, um, which I think is honorable and it's, it sucks cause it's, it's, it's honorable, but it's not sort of the way things are right now. Um, and I, I also, I'm, I'm curious if there's a, a concern that they might not be able to get a whole lot out of the transfer portal at this point, given that it, that it, that it has exploded as much as it has. And I think early in his tenure, um, he was one of the, I don't want to say one of the few, but he, he, he was aggressive. I mean, he was a lot more aggressive, but I don't like think I said, there was, I don't think there was four star receivers yeah, out of the transfer. Portal. Yeah. I don't think there was as many other coaches in there. So I think it was a little easier to fish out of that pond. I mean, I remember um, the 2021 cycle when he only took, I think like 10 prep recruits and everybody and then, was rubbing their hands. Like, yeah, yeah but Jonathan Smith is going to kill it in the transfer portal. And then he went, he got like five guys. And it was just like, John, where, where's all your portal dudes? You know, my concern is it's not a Jonathan Smith thing as much as an Oregon state thing. If there's just that there's so many options for dudes in the portal now that, it, that Oregon state kind of gets lost in the shuffle, man. I, you know, I, I, who, who knows what the reason for it is? I mean, I, like if you can convince somebody to go to Tucson, why not Corvallis, you know? Well, and you always got a question. I, I mean, I don't know. I get you, Tucson's a good point. I, I don't know. I don't that that one's I don't that I don't know. I don't know. But um, with all the NIL money out there, I don't know how much Oregon State is in that compared to other schools. So I, I it, it's I just put it this way. I, I don't understand the portal yet. It's it's a wild wild west that I just don't know. It's hard to kind of suss out exactly what's going on in there. I mean, I think 
Man, I just, I, you know, I maintain a database for the entire Pac-12, and one of the parts of it is, like, I, I got to keep them, you know, I mean, I write scripts for it to scrape it for me, but I have to keep an eye on them and make sure they're not going crazy. And so I, like, man, I'm watching this constant flow of portal activity, and I just don't, I don't buy that argument. The, the argument that, like, well, you can't get any better than these guys you can get somebody better than a bench warmer you know i know you yeah, can yeah, get somebody enough. better than a bench warmer because the bench warmer plays zero amount <laughs> you know like, that is fair like uh you know I, and i mean that's what you know that's a like you know fair enough point about dunmore like he actually could put something together and you need a tall body but like i mean really everybody else like they're not gonna play give me a break and like and they never have and you know what you can go get an fcs guy or a juco guy who's been like that guy's been playing football. It's he's been on grass for the last three years, yeah. you know, like he's better than a guy who's not been, he's been drinking Gatorade and that's it, you know, like, come on. And, and I just, I wonder whether or not the times have passed Jonathan Smith by, you know, and, and, you know, whether it's sentimentality as you suggest, or, you know, if he's got a secret plan that I don't know about, uh, that, you know, that's I what I like know. to believe. That's what I like to believe. That's what I'm choosing <laughs> to believe is there's a secret plan, but it's like, there's, you know, I, I, I mean, the, I, I've done the scholarship math, you know, he's capped out um, and he's capped out because he's got like 14 guys that he's not able to play and a more aggressive roster manager probably would have cleared out most, if not all of the 14 guys that I just listed and went out and gotten, you know, FCS, JUCO, you know, some other guys, uh, you know, G5, you know, whatever guys who have some playing experience and would have, you know, hit some, you know, better depth situation. We named several units in which, you know, for sure. At the very least, you could have used more depth because it's like, well, what happens if this guy gets hurt? You know, you're banking on one dude, um, y- you know, and I'm sort of like, you know, man, I'm I'm starting to think maybe I should retract my, you know, best, you know, coach in the Pac-12 <laughs> thing uh, is, because like I sort of feel like, you know, this has not been great roster management. I don't know, I don't know, like and, and it's also sort of it's sort of like it makes me worry that like, you know, because Oregon State's sort of having a moment, you know, like, oh, hey, sure. man, right. Like and good, you know, like you know what I mean by having a moment, you know, yeah. like having a lot of success and like, and having a, a demonstrated model and everybody wants to pat John Smith on the back and like everybody, you know, and it's like, this is the strike. Well, the this is where hot. you capitalize. Yep. This is when you capitalize. This is when you, you know, and, 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 and the NCAA temporarily suspended the, the 25 initial counter rule and the, the portal is wider open than ever in the sense that there is, you know, unlimited, no excuse, immediate eligibility transfers. Like this is when you do it. You know, this is when you clear out the, the, the career bench warmers, you open up your cap space and you go get some guys, you know, to build up your depth and, and, and take advantage. And, and I sort of, man, it's difficult for me to come to any other conclusion than that. He sort of blinked. Travis, Thanks so much for hopping on. What are your hopes for this season? Let's let's end it on that. What are you? What are your most optimistic it's a soft schedule. hopes here? I, no, I was just looking at the schedule. I think I think there's there's a solid eight wins at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, not at least, but there's there's a good chance to get eight wins in this, e- this schedule. Le- easy non conference or relatively easy, right? Because San Jose, UC Davis, San Diego State, um, um, uh, you know, no no power five out of conference, no big you know huge road trip or anything. Uh, they they miss USC. Uh, they get Utah, UCLA, and Washington in Research Stadium. Um, 
you know, Stanford is way down. Uh, that's been sort of a bugaboo program for Oregon State. But, you know, it's like a guaranteed win at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Who like, did they hire as a coach? Uh, Troy Taylor. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I about that. No, I, like, even though I'm sort of expecting, like, you know, I think they built the program last year on defense and I'm sort of expecting the defense to take a step back. Like, I don't think they're immediately going to pay for it. Um, or, or pay for it that bad, you know, cause I think this is actually a pretty favorable schedule things considered. For sure. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe get that ninth one here in Eugene. Uh, oh, boy, you had to end it that way. Didn't you? I did. Uh, Travis, I did. is there I anything? Absolutely did. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to plug besides the beautiful waters of Belize? <laughs> I would like to go back there. That's all. Nice. I was there. I was there a week ago, and now I want to go back. <laughs> and now the world just seems so, so sad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> outside of that, uh, that place. Well, um, we're always happy to have you on. We're always happy to talk about the Beavers. If if you you know if for some reason the Ducks truly gave up on this uh, giant scam we call college football. Oregon State, that could be the team I I settle I settle down, you know, lower some expectations and really knuckle down and become a Oregon State fan. I think I could do that. And you are is right. That... College college football is a giant scheme. <laughs> well, yeah, sport. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, really glad to have you on. And uh, Hithla Day, as always, you can follow Day's work. Uh, go over to Twitter at Hithloday1, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y number one, but not before you actually go to addictedtoquack.com. Read these roster reviews that he's writing. You will not find a better place to learn about Pac-12 football than those articles. Uh, one, it's wonderful to have you back on, Hithloday. Uh, always a pleasure. It was great talking to you. Uh, I'm. It sounds like your mouth is uh, back to normal, too. Like, yeah. For that's, podcast they, it warmed up. It wore, it wore, wore off. That's usually the sign. Once the numbness is gone and now the pain is starting to come back in, we should probably wrap up the show. Is All right. Guess. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Quack, quack. Go Ducks. Uh, go Beavs. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Uh,